Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. We are proudly presented by our friends over at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Jay Catch, Michelle Bodkin, along for the ride on this Saturday morning. And I'm pleased to welcome in now our, I guess, feature guest of today's show. Yeah. Kenneth Scott, the former University of Utah standout wide receiver. Kenneth, thank you for making some time. How are you? Man, I am great on this beautiful Saturday morning. Well, afternoon now. For you. 12 o'clock. Yeah. yeah, for me. <laughs> but for you guys, beautiful Saturday morning. Appreciate you guys having me on. Can't wait to converse with you guys. Absolutely. Okay, so, Kenneth, you were actually here last weekend, and this is kind of a funny little behind the scenes of how things go down in, in the sports world and sports radio. You actually tried calling me while we were on air last week. <laughs> right? For real, though. I hit the bat phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then that proceeded to, we were texting back and forth while I was on air. Okay. And uh, it turned out that you were actually secretly in town up in Ogden. What were you doing? Yeah, so for me, so for me, so I got a crazy little kid. I'm at a seven versus seven tournament right now, supporting some kids. But I was out in Ogden supporting a group of um, kids that are part of this nonprofit organization from a former youth player named Wise Salumba. Uh, it's called the Art of Performance, and so they have a seven versus seven team um, ranging from you know 14, 15, to 18 U. And so I was out there in Ogden just supporting them at the Hero Tournament. Um, unfortunately, they didn't come out with W's, but the experience was beautiful nonetheless because they got to see everything that Utah encompasses, you know, the scenery, the great people, et cetera. So I was out here, well, out there for that, acting more as a counselor, being a mentor to these kids and kind of just showing them the Utah life. So, Kenneth, uh, Michelle made her debut on this show last week, so I, I now know why she may have been off of her game, because all of a sudden, Kenneth Scott <laughs> pops up on her phone. She's like, whoa, what in the, what in the world's going on here? So I, I completely get that now. So, so thank you <laughs> for that. All the good stuff happened on the first day. All the good stuff happened. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what happened. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to talk to you about that, because you're a guy who came from out of state to Utah, played your college ball here. Uh We've interacted in the past, and you have continued, and I use the word evangelize, but you've, you continued to kind of talk about how great of an experience you had playing for the University of Utah, living here in this state, and just your overall experience that I think a lot of people from outside the state don't actually recognize or realize before they get here, or they have preconceived notions of this state. Is that something that you continue to do even to this day, it sounds like? Oh, without a doubt. You know, Utah impacted me and my life so much that I have no choice but to give back and, and talk about all the remarkable things that it not only done for me on the field but off the field. And so every chance I get, I always tell people about, you know, my experience in Utah, especially coming from out of state, having no clue about Utah. When they offered me, I had to Google 
where Utah was because I didn't know anything about it. And then also around the Salt Lake City, you know, just kind of educate myself on Utah. And so, you know, every chance I get, because I know there's plenty of students out there, student athletes out there that's wondering the same thing like I did. So I try to give them my experience uh, because it's one thing about reading it, but it's another thing telling, uh, having to learn it from someone else's experience. I think it's way better um, in that type of facet. But, um, but yeah, any chance I get, I always tell people about you know my wonderful time and lengthy time at the University of Utah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you definitely fell into one of those old man categories uh, that we Hey, come on, we man. Come on, man. come on, man. You can't put me as an old man. I was old in length, but as far as I was still young, you know, yeah. I came in at 17 years uh-huh. old. But I take the old man title. <laughs> yeah, it, it, fair enough. Fair enough. But, uh, you know, you've been up to quite a few different things since you've left Utah. Maybe talk about, you know, some of the things you've had your hand in since you've moved on with with football. Yeah, for sure, man, because this is one of the joys that I love talking about, especially the transitioning from the football field. Uh, so currently right now, uh, you know, I founded an LLC that's called Leave a Blessing. And basically what Leave a Blessing is, it houses all my written and oral literature, um, basically providing perspective on uh, um, recognizing your gift, utilizing your gift to leave a blessing, not only for yourself, but to impact others. And so within that, obviously, I have my publication as far as me being an author in my first book, 24, which is a memoir about my mother and her journey through being a mom, lupus, and kidney transplant. And then also within that is my short story collection because I love writing, and it's called Chips and Soda, Chips and Soda Short Story Collection. And then uh, outside of that, you know, I do a lot of speaking engagements and workshops for student-athletes, which I have a program called Maximizing the Student-Athlete, which kind of embarks and helps athletes understand their independency as an athlete understand how they are a brand they are a business and to kind of give them the ins and outs to sufficiently uh, embark on that journey during and following their athletic career so that's just like high level of the items that i do so um hopefully and you hopefully coming soon i can come out to utah uh do a couple speaking engagements and workshops at a at the high school level uh, during the week to you know give them guys the game that is much needed. Kenneth, you're a guy, in my opinion, if you were playing in this era of college football with name, image, and likeness, I feel like you would be all over the place in terms of having sponsorship deals, all that stuff. You just mentioned the fact that you're, you're talking with these athletes about uh, building their own brand, and we've seen this in college sports now. It's almost a year in with this name, image, and likeness where college athletes can benefit from their building their brand. What do you make of this new era of college football? Do you like it? Do I like it? I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Because I tell athletes all the time, like even back, even though I wasn't getting paid for my services, sure. right, I was still uh, doing the items necessary that would help me transition to the mm-hmm. next phase. But I tell athletes all the time, like, you know, you guys are a business owner. You guys are your name, LLC, and so forth, right? And your job right now is to market and give yourself that exposure needed in order to get your brand out there. And that's sort of like business, right? You want to make sure your, your, your product is, is great, sufficient, right? And then you have to understand your target audience. And then once you understand your target audience, you got to market and expose yourself to get those opportunities as far as sponsorships and connecting with other business owners to get, you know, to make it whole. And so, man, the, the, the era that it's in right now, if student athletes don't get fired up every morning to like want to be the best sales, not only on the field, but off the field, 
then they're in the wrong they're in the wrong space, honestly, because this is the best moment in your time in your life right now to maximize every moment of NIL so that you can smoothly transition to the next phase of your life once ball is done. We can hear I one of at least one of your daughters, I don't know if it's both of them in the background. I one of the few things I remember like very first time I ever talked to you, you talked about having this dream of being a girl dad, having having a daughter and stuff and it's actually come true. What has has the dream met the the or has the reality met, you know, what you dreamed about as far as that's concerned? You know what's crazy? You are totally right. Because I did, we did, when we had a conversation in the past, I always talked about being a girl dad. I just loved it, you know, watching Kobe Bryant and how he talks about his daughters and how he encourages them, empowers them. And I was like, man, I want to do the same exact thing. Like having a boy is great, but I think having a woman, like a, a girl, like it, and turning her into a woman, a strong, you know, it, that, that speaks volumes. And so, you know, as far as, you know, what I want to teach my daughters and uh, making sure they realize is, understand their value, um, their self-worth, right? And understand that there's no limit to what you can do. And I love everything that goes on to try to empower the women. Uh, That's why I'm so connected to women athletes or uh, so forth, right? Because I want to make sure that they understand their worth. And so um, the reality is how he surpassed my dream because I'm still fulfilling it every day. Um, And it's a beautiful thing to wake up in the morning and see these girls and, you know, it just gives me extra push, extra drive, and extra motivation. So the reality has definitely surpassed the dream, and it's only getting better. Well, Kenneth, as a guy who I, I have a daughter and a son, my daughter, she is light years ahead of where my son is at, it feels like, <laughs> in many ways. But I'm with you on that. It's, it's, it's a really rewarding experience just to be a parent. I, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, yeah. It's, it's, it's an opportunity to watch somebody grow, and you get to mold mm-hmm. Hopefully, in some positive fashion. <laughs> right, <laughs> right you're, exactly. you're, Trust me, you're constantly terrified that you're screwing it up. Right. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> that is so true. You are right about that. You're constantly just like, okay, am I doing this thing right? But you make your way through somehow. So that I, I applaud you on that. I wanted to talk to you about Britton Covey because. It's crazy to think about. Ken, Kenneth, you were a senior in 2015. Yeah. Britton Covey was a freshman, freshman in 2015. <laughs> Britton Covey just finished playing football for the University of Utah in 2022, technically in the Rose Bowl on January 1. To think you have that connection between you two that spans, you showed up at Utah in 2010, and then Britton Covey, with your connection, finished that span 12 years later is just incredible to me. But he's going towards, again, ready for the NFL now. He's hoping to hear his name called in the NFL draft later this month. What kind of relationship do you still have with a guy like Britton Covey, and what do you expect from him in the pros? You know what's crazy? That is crazy. That's that's what's crazy. It's like, dang, I was with this guy in my senior year. He was a freshman. And, you know, one thing about Covey, man, that I love so much is his maturity. Like, the, the guy... Man, he's a, as young as he is in the team, he's a, like a wealth full of knowledge, obviously, because his uh, lineage as far as his family, they did a, such a tremendous job raising mm-hmm. a great man. But, like, the leadership he possesses on the field, even at an early age as a freshman in college, like, he had those leadership qualities to where, like, people respected him, you know. And then 
on the field, they respected him more because his grit, his determination, his work ethic. Like, he really truly pushed others to be the best version of themselves. And that's something, like, you can't really coach. You just either have it or you don't. And so, you know, watching Britton Covey throughout the years, it's amazing. Him battling through, you know, his, his, his injuries. Like, myself, I had to battle through injuries. And it takes a lot to come back from that to not only get to yourself but kind of surpass where you were so that, you know, you can still have value and hold value for the team. So, like, with Britton Covey and going to the next level, I think an NFL team will be a fool not to draft him or, like, draft him late round or even pick him up in free agency and select him as a priority because not only does he have the characteristics on the field, that's a great wide receiver, as a great punt return, kick return. He can be used on special teams as a gunner. Like, he has so many things he can bring to a team on the field, but – off the field, he has so much he can bring to an organization as well. And so, like, an t- NFL team will be a fool not to get his man an opportunity. And that's kind of like my two cents on it because I love everything that not only him but his family, um, you know, brings to the table as far as their, who they are. It, it's interesting talking about the two of you in the same sentence, not just because of the time span, but because of actually how similar you both are and how you operate. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a story actually about, I, Britt was asked a few years ago, who who did you take inspiration from? And he said you, because you had made an effort your senior year to get to know something about every single guy on the team. And Britt, decided, right. to, Britt decided to pick that up as well. And, and so, you know, that's just kind of an interesting, another interesting connection I think you two share. Uh, It'll be interesting to see who the next guy is that kind of decides to to do their leadership the same way. You know, and that's that's something that I, I'm interested in as well. You know, when I when I first thought about that, you know, my senior year coming into me, I was like, I asked myself, like, how can I leave something like a legacy behind that can impact the next group? You know what I'm saying? And that's one of the things I took in. I was like, if I say I'm a leader, if I say I'm really a team player, if I really say I love this guy who I'm going to war with every single day, blood, sweat, and tears, you know, through practices, through games, I have to get to know him. And if I don't know this guy, like I'm doing not only myself a disservice, but the team a disservice because in those moments where we both need each other, how am I going to pull the best out of him if I don't even know anything or anything that can trigger him to be the best version of himself? You know what I'm saying? So um, not only myself, but the like the whole um, – Coaching staff did a great job, and I'll start with Morgan Scally on that. You know, we, we did a leadership retreat, and within the leadership retreats, what happens is, um, you know, obviously it's a leadership group, but they have one person go up, talk about their lives. The people that are listening, we ask questions to get to know them even better, right? And then after, you know, that type of conversation, you know, Coach Scally asks, like, hey, okay, what did you guys learn about them? And so we, not only do we have to listen, we have to understand exactly what's being said and give it back to them so that we can really, really know them. And then so that expanded to, like, doing it during fall camp throughout the months the whole team. And so, you know, I just took it a step further. It's like, instead of just my group, I need to learn the whole team. And so, um, you know, I know it was long-winded, but, you know, I feel like if you're a leader or any organization or team, you have to know your people. And if you don't know your people, how are they going to fight for you? And so I'm glad to see Britain, you know, kept that going. And I hope to see someone else of the same realm does the same thing. 
Uh, speaking with Kenneth Scott here, former University of Utah wide receiver. And Kenneth, I think that extends out to, I think, how Kyle Whittingham and his entire coaching staff operate within the Utah football program because they want that connection between those generations of players. Mm-hmm. Kyle's been there for nearly two decades now, whether as an assistant or as the head coach. And uh, to a man, uh, all the players I've talked with from his early days is, and as recent as his current teams, they talk about the connection that seemingly every Utah football player has ever played for Kyle Whittingham has to one another. And I, I think you're right in saying that the hope is that they continue to do that, but I have no reason to think that they won't. Yeah, I have no doubt about it either. Uh, Coach Whittingham is by far one of my favorite people in the whole world. It doesn't matter what decade you played in, what year you played in. He remembers everything about you. I recently just went up to Coach uh, Witt, and I just had a like. I just randomly went up there and just gave him a hug, and we just he talked about my book, and you know this guy deserves a statue. I don't care what nobody says. This guy deserves a statue uh, in front of Rice Eccles or wherever, or something being named after him because in my eyes he's a legend in every category, not only on the field but off the field as far as how he helps his players. So there, you did post that you were up on campus while you were here during your short visit last week. You know, what was it like being able to see that stadium and see the championship trophy? And and honestly, what did you think about this past season with everything that that team had to go through in order to hit these milestones? I ain't going to lie. I was jealous when I stepped on <laughs> campus and looked at the stadium. I said, y'all get these things look beautiful. Walked into the locker room. The locker room looks amazing. You can just smell the newness and <laughs> smell the, the luxury of it. I said, oh, this smells good. Even the tunnel, like everything was beautiful. I loved everything. And uh, as far as like, man, what was your last question, Michelle? I'm so excited about that new South Zone. I'm so excited about the last part. I was like, dang, I wish I would have. What was the last part you said? The, the last part was just, you know, thoughts about last year's team and everything oh, that they had to yes. go through in order to, to accomplish and tick off some goals that have been, been yeah. around for a while. Yeah, you know what? Going through what they had to go through with the deaths of, you know, both the players back-to-back seasons, like, that's, tough, especially how much they meant to the team personally, that's tough. And for them to keep fighting on every single week without a lack of motivation or a lack of determination out on the field, that was success for me. Just them showing up and working hard and giving everything they got, that was a success for me. The other stuff as far as like the Pac-12 championship, the Rose Bowl, that's just cherry on top. But, um, but you know, everything before that, just them showing up and the motivation and stuff like that, and not turn it into a something bad. Hey, that was success for me. So this season, despite the loss, I think it's still a win for me the whole season. I don't care. Nobody thought we would have been in that position except for the gentlemen like that were in that room. Um, and so I say it's a success. And even though we didn't win the Rose Bowl, it felt as if we won it and flat out just because everything that it meant for that season. We have one more question for you before we let you go. You announced Shoot, I, I, you can do more than one question. Now. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to have you stay and talk. I think we could talk forever. We'll, we'll, we'll do this again. I can promise you that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, you announced earlier this week that you actually arranged everything to come out again in a couple of weeks for the spring the spring game. What what's on your agenda, and what are you hoping to do this this next go around when you're out here? Man, 
You know, I just can't get enough of Utah. That's what it is. I, I kind of told myself I need to buy some property out there just to visit whenever I can or whatever. Uh, but I have a good family uh, out there in Utah that supported me through and through um, my career. But as far as I have on the agenda, you know, I'm, I arrive on that Thursday. And hopefully by the time I arrive, I can go get some Park Cafe, right? Okay. That, that's the best breakfast yeah. place that I could think. For lunch, I'm thinking about Mo Betis, uh for <laughs> sure. Got to touch down on that. And dinner, uh, probably Porcupine Grill. Got to get those nachos. Uh, I'm just giving a heck of shout-outs right now. They don't have a spot for me. I'm just giving a heck of shout-outs. But uh, Friday, I'm hoping to do the golf tournament as an alumni. Okay. I've been working on my swing a little bit. So right. uh, hopefully I don't hit a, a lot of balls in the, in the water or anything. Um, and then Saturday, obviously going to the spring game, um, probably doing some media, um, my thoughts about the game, things of that nature. And then later that night, I'm going on um, a TV segment uh, to not only speak about the release of my book, kind of like catching up what I'm doing, but also, you know, recapping the spring game and, and what I saw and look for towards the season. And then Sunday, you know, coming back out to, you know, the great state of Texas, but hopefully I can have dual uh, living arrangements in Texas and Utah, but that's kind of my agenda. And if anybody out there that want to meet up with me, take pictures, whatever it is, I don't care. I'm open. Just reach out to me, and we can arrange something to you know get things signed or whatever. Um, I just want to be able to see as many people as possible and uh, have many cherishable moments. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, Kenneth, stay in touch. We'd love nothing more than to help you kind of pub that as you get as it gets a little bit closer. And like I said, we're going to have you on again soon. It was, it was a fantastic conversation. So a big thank you for carving some time out. I know you got to get back to uh, being a mentor and coach at Seven on Seven, and also more importantly, being a dad. Yes, that's that's for sure. I'm out here about to eat her vanilla wafers as we speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's another perk of being a dad. You get to eat all the snacks. I try to minimize that, but it's you true. get to eat all the snacks and the juice. It's but a true story. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys having me on. You guys are always a tremendous uh, you know, class whenever you invite me on. So I appreciate everything that you do and continuously do for me. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. All right, there you go. Kenneth Scott, a big thank you to him for joining us. I love talking to him. Uh, yes. Next time we have him on, I, I meant to ask him we ran out of time. I want to ask him the, the, the nickname, Gooby. Yeah. I, we need to find I, – I I need to hear the story about how he got the nickname. I mean, I could tell you that. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you can tell me off air or whatever. Yeah. It's it, it just – it's one of those cool nicknames. Yeah. Like, because I love nicknames like that, and usually they go back to something in a – They do indeed, yeah, yes. So. <laughs> All right, but huge thank you to Kenneth. Really cool to catch up with him, and he's – He's one of my favorite, favorite interviews. Just so much fun. He so fun, very insightful, and just a pleasant person to be around. Well, and he's trying to make a difference in the world. That's yeah. the biggest thing. Like, you heard him. He's got irons in all different types of fires trying to make just a positive impact and being a dad. Just... It's really cool to see. Yeah. So, all right. So, big thank you to him. And yeah, this will not be the last time that Kenneth Scott is on the Saturday show. I can promise you that. All right. Coming up next, uh, we will get to five minutes of hit some of the other topics we have not had a chance to hit on quite yet today. Um, some sad news in the NFL that came out right before we went mm-hmm. on air. We'll get to that next. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, along for the ride on this Saturday morning. This show has literally flown by. I feel like we just sat down. Seriously. But it's been a fun show. And a huge thank you once again to Kenneth Scott for stopping by. Just good dude. Yeah. Really fun dude to talk to, too. Like, he's doing a lot of good things out there. All right, Michelle, it is now time to get into five minutes of. And as we are want to do, let's start it off with Saki. Giovanni Lo Celso. Interesting. Great little ball back into in. The flag might go up. Danjuma celebrates. And the flag has stayed down. And Villarreal have the lead inside eight minutes. Arno Danjuma diverting the ball in from Parejo's effort, which might have been goal bound itself. But Danjuma scores. Villarreal lead. The Bruins come in with some numbers. All right, there you go. Some of the highlights from the week in soccer and hockey. Uh, So on the hockey front, I don't have a lot this week outside of one thing, Michelle. Uh, Do you know the name Austin Matthews by chance? Not. Uh, I knew his name as kind of a cursory note. As I said, I'm, a, I'm pretty much a neophyte when it comes to hockey, but this is kind of a cool note. He uh, he is an American-born hockey player, so he's from, he's from the United States. He broke the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, record with his 56th goal of the season. So that, oh, excuse me, it was his 55th earlier this week, and then he had a 56th in the game, uh, which is a victory in an overtime. So he set two records in this game. The single-season goal record for the Maple Leafs, wow. but then also set the record for the most goals by a U.S.-born player in a single NHL season. So, there you go. Wow. That yeah. that last one actually kind of blows my mind. In, in many ways. like We all know that Canada, like, it's their national sport, yeah. but to think that it's... It's taken this long <laughs> so, for a U.S.-born... Yeah. Wow. I'm trying okay. to figure out. See, um, okay, so Jimmy Carson, who played from 1970... In, in 1987-1988, and then Kevin Stevens in 92-93, previously held the most for goals by a U.S.-born player in a single season with 55. So he broke with his 56th earlier this week, so... Okay. Congratulations to Austin Matthews on that front. And then on the soccer front, we got Real Salt Lake back in action tonight. Their lone home match of the month. They're going to wow. be so they're sandwiching this between two two road uh, two 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 game road swings. There we go. Got it, <laughs> I got it figured out. We've had a lot of like complicated. Oh, trust me, I'm try and say this five times. I'm all five over times the place fast on sort of show, thing. but. <laughs> Uh, they take on Toronto tonight, and it should be interesting because I was out at training yesterday talking with Pablo Mastroeni, and they're pretty confident. The, the biggest thing and I, I've seen, I don't know how much RSL you've watched recently, and they have a thing called XG. Have you ever heard of this before? Mm-hmm. It's, it's called expected goals. Okay. It's, it's literally a metric that it, yeah. in a match, 
there is a quantifiable way of how many goals you're expected to score in a single match. It's like the whip book. In, 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 oh, yes. Oh, trust me. The, the, Jeff Rudy is famous for that book. I, and Kyle, I'm sure at this point, has probably just memorized it. He's turning, Probably, no turning, doubt. Jeff, I don't need it. I, I got this. But but the, So what it is, the XG for RSL most of the season, the opposing teams are, are, have far better XG, which is expected goals. Mm-hmm. RSL last week in a 1-1 draw at Colorado had an XG of 0.3, whereas Colorado had an XG, I think, in north of 1.7 or something like that. So it's to lose, in essence, 2 nothing if you go yeah. by that metric. But somehow RSL has gotten results out of five of their six matches this season. It's pretty impressive. That's awesome. So, I I know last week we talked about uh, getting a tie would be a win for yes. that game. And so congratulations for accomplishing that goal. And trust me, uh, we've had enough conversations like Lundy and whatnot. Like I remember when he first started doing this, Alex Lumberg, our former co-host, he was like, you mean to tell me that you can have essentially a tie that means a win? I'm like, yes, you can. And everybody's like, I know it goes counter to everything in an American sports fan's mind, but draws in Major League Soccer on the are road good. are actually a good thing. They're a good thing. Points are important. Like that's that's what you're going for. So, uh, six o'clock tonight. Uh, David James, one of our colleagues here at the Zone, will be on the call of that match. Uh, you'll be able to watch it on KMYU, the KSL TV app, and also ESPN Plus if you happen to live outside the market. If you want to tune in that way. All right, now let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the Big Twelve because I think this relates to Utah and the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Bob Bullsby. Yeah. Uh, Ten years on the job as the Big 12 commissioner has announced he's going to step down from his position later this year. So the Big 12 is looking for a new commissioner. The Pac-12 just went through this with Larry Scott uh, unceremoniously getting dumped, as he should have been. That's just my personal opinion on the matter. Nope. (laughs) If someone disagrees with you on that, they are quantifiably insane. Larry Larry Scott's (laughs) family is on line one. They want to argue with me on that. Uh, Larry Scott was awful. Yeah, so... But George Klyovkov has been, uh, I think, a revelation so far in many ways. I I think he's been a smashing success so far. Because he's come in with an open mindset, didn't come in with, okay, here's what we're doing. We're going to do this, this, and this. He's come in, he's been collaborative and talking with people like uh, Mark Harlan up at Utah. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've they've been very good working with the university presidents and chancellors to make sure that he has a good lay for the land. And the thing about it is, is we had Klyovkov on with DJ and PK. He spent over a half an hour with us on air. And I think the bigger point I took away from him is he understands that he's a quote-unquote outsider because mm-hmm. he's coming from the entertainment world. He worked for right. MGM in Las Vegas, brokered all kinds of high-level entertainment deals, mm-hmm. which will help him in this realm with regards to TV contracts and the like. But he said... Athletics are something I've never worked in, but he said, I'm, I'm excited to take what I know and mold that and meld it into what I'm going to learn about on this job. I see a similar circumstance being on the table here for the Big 12 because Bob Bowlesby is a former Stanford uh, AD. He has worked in collegiate athletics his entire career. He's well-respected in mm-hmm. the industry. But I'm, I've got a sneaking suspicion that the Big 12 is going to pull a similar move to what the Pac-12 did and maybe look outside the box, look outside of the ADs and sitting commissioners to bring in their next commissioner. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? I think that might be a wise move on their part because, like, the Pac-12, they're maybe a little behind the eight ball with Oklahoma and Texas planning sure. to move to the SEC. Uh-huh. So finding someone that maybe can be a little more innovative and think outside of 
the normal box yeah. would probably be a good thing for them at this conjecture of their existence. Well, and they they have a, a conference. It's still going to be Power Five. It's still going to have the Autonomous Five designation, but it doesn't have a brand currently that you say that's the yeah. brand that's carrying the conference. Exactly. We all know that the Pac-12 I, and. I, I don't mean this derisively, Utah fans. Let me be very clear about this. But we all know that the Pac-12 revolves around USC. Oh, 1,000%. The USC Trojans. They 1, are they are the brand that carries this conference forward. And if Lincoln Riley has success at USC, it's going to help the Pac-12 as a whole. We look at the SEC. They've got three or four of those now, if not more than that. The ACC, it's Clemson. The Big Ten, it's Michigan and Ohio State. The Big 12 does not have that. I'm with you. I think that they need somebody to come in who's going to be like, okay, we don't have a dominant brand here, but maybe we need to, I I don't know, maybe we need to try something where we play up the fact that we are a nobody conference in in some ways. Right. And buy into that a little bit. Or give your your teams the chance to kind of hash it out who's going to be the new sheriff in town. Let somebody grow into that, yeah. You know, I, there's so many different ways I think you can go with that, uh, but I think you need to have someone that's open to that. You're right. And the other thing is the the Pac-12, their TV deal is up. Is it 24, if I recall correctly? I, I think it is 24. They've already had, and Klyavkov acknowledges, he said, we, we're already having conversations uh, with the TV partners. So the Pac-12 is working through their stuff. Uh Bob Bullsby was under contract through 2025 when the new era of the Big 12 was expected to kick off, including their new TV rights deal. There was some thought that was he going to carry them through that, but he decided it sounded like, just based on his comments that in the last few weeks, that he wanted to step aside now, whereas he'll be under contract and he'll still be a sounding board for whoever takes over as the new commissioner and be able to kind of be a guy in the room that they can bounce ideas off of. But... Both of these conferences are going to be hard-pressed to make sure that they find themselves in the best position with regards to their TV contracts moving forward. We all know that the Pac-12 is dealing with the issue of the Pac-12 network. Mm-hmm. I am hopeful that Klyovkov can get it on DirecTV or find a way to get it more widely distributed. I, with, streaming should help with that. It should, yes. And I. And I will say, as much as I hated Larry Scott, that is the one thing he actually maybe did well was having some foresight that TV was moving in that direction. Correct, yes. So having your own network was a great idea. And having full control of that network, too. Yes. Uh, it did not do the Pac-12 a lot of favors in, in the first round of, but I think they're set up to do quite well this next go-around. And that's the sincere hope I have, because I look at the Big 12 right now, that their quote-unquote Tier 3 rights, which are typically in the Pac-12, your Tier 3 rights are owned by the Pac-12 network, and they're put on the various regional channels of that network. Right now, the Big 12 does not have a central Tier 3 uh, structure. Each of these schools has their own individual deal, as it currently stands with the Big 12, Mm. on their Tier 3 rights. I actually, and I, there are probably BYU fans listening that are going to freak out when I say this. Look at the Pac-12's model with regards to what the Pac-12 network is, the regional distribution of it, and find a way as a Big 12 to find a partner, whether it is creating your own network, partnering with ESPN, CBS, Fox, one of these, and find a way to put those Tier 3 rights together into one package, yeah. whereas it can hopefully keep you guys from being... Um, Cincinnati's on Flow Sports. BYU has BYU TV. I know the BYU fans like BYU TV. I get that. But to have them in one central place is going to be more important. 
I th- I think so because there are just a lot of general fo- football fans yeah. that don't necessarily have a horse in the race mm-hmm. per se. And it's kind of annoying when you have to search oh, across different vessels to try and find <laughs> games. Whereas if you had it all in one place, uh-huh. you know, all you have to do is hit, oh, hey, Big 12 Network. Like, I, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to park it all day and I'm going to watch all the Big 12 games. Well, that's the thing about like, So when I want to watch a Utah basketball game, for example, I know it's on one of three. There's three places I'm going to check. Mm-hmm. Pac-12 Network. Yep. Fox. Yep. Fox Sports 1 or in a very rare case, an ESPN network. Yep. It doesn't have as much, but I know where to look. With the Big 12, honestly, if geez. Anybody's guess? Yeah. I, I would guess first off ESPN Plus. I think ESPN Plus is going to be a big part of what the Big 12 is going to do. I would actually expect that um, the Pac-12 network probably, and this is me speculating, they probably try and get a deal with ESPN Plus for the Pac-12 network where they have like a simulcast across both of those streaming networks. I that's just me yeah. looking ahead. But I it's just it's an interesting era and I think that the parallels, I know that BYU and Utah fans are probably like, we're not anything alike, because we all know the rivalry exists in all things. But both of these conferences are on a similar track right now, it feels mm-hmm. like. And I know that the Pac Twelve is a little bit ahead now with Klyovkov already having already taken over, but I, I the Big Twelve could do a lot worse than to maybe follow some of the lead of what George has done so far. Yeah, I I Honestly, I think George has uh, they he's given the Pac-12 new life, mm-hmm. and and I think he's prevented a lot of things that looked like they were coming down the track that ESPN and the SEC were gonna fully kind of take over college football, yep. and then you know it's just kind of everybody else. He at least slowed that train down a little bit uh, by being willing to negotiate with some of the other commissioners. Uh, and hold talks and think tanks and and some of that kind of stuff. It would be nice if there's another guy in the ring that can maybe help with that. And so there there is a big opportunity there with the Big 12, I think, to to step up and and maybe help out with that. Well, in many ways, this new commissioner of the Big 12, I don't got to get to break here, they have a, a kind of a blank slate in many ways because – Oklahoma and Texas are on their way out. Mm-hmm. You have four new schools coming in. You're going to have a brand new TV contract, which is anybody's guess who ultimately is the rights holder. Like there are so many things that if you're a commissioner that wants to like have like a blank canvas to yeah. work with, well, guess what? Yep. The here, 12, here you go. The Big Twelve may hand that right in right to you. So interesting times ahead. I, college athletics, just the overall so nuts landscape right now. is nuts. You're right. It, Crazy, 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 but it's fun at the same time to it kind of is. kind of look and try and figure out what's going on. All right, uh, we will wrap up the show next. Some final thoughts. Uh, like I said, this show has absolutely flown by. I got some reaction we need to get to on Twitter as well. We'll get to all that next right here on the Saturday Show. Weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, you're not going to roast me this week, Jeff? I got I got hammered pretty good last week. What happened Eric. last week? Yeah, Eric. What did he rushed you for? <laughs> he just was introducing the show to to Michelle, and let's just put it this way: I I fell under the bus multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> 
One of those funny things about this show, man. It's a ton well, of fun to do. You're the host, and I'm the rotating occasional producer, so me roasting you wouldn't really make much sense. Yeah, you can feel free. I trust me. I, 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 it was actually well, really funny in many you. ways. I like but, you, Jake. All right. Um, so we got a couple of things we need to react to here on social media. Let's start off here uh, with this. Uh, our good friend Osteo Math, uh, Bodkin KSL Sports Michelle is better than the Utah Jazz. She has a more than fifty nine percent win rate. <laughs> so there you go. So congratulations. I'm not Michelle. sure what we're basing this off of. <laughs> what this win rate equates I, to? But I'm not hundred percent certain it. on it either. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm assuming that's just based on like the record right now. I think it's fifty nine percent is what they've won. All right, our good friend Clinto Pete uh, saying, "What do you call the fourth quarter of a Jazz game?" 12 minutes of sucky. Hashtag socky joke. Oh. Uh, and Clint is about as diehard a jazz fan, he so is. I will let him have it. Yeah, exactly. You can do that one. <laughs> All right. Um, a couple other ones here. Uh, Clint O'Pete also saying, I learned this week that Dave Checkett's actually chose the red and blue as RSL colors in the hopes it would unite BYU and Utah fans. It's true. It, I, I can buy that. The claret and the cobalt, as he called it, was the idea is he was going to meld the the two groups. Crimson red and the royal blue and bring them together, albeit different shades, and hopefully bring those two fan bases together. I don't know how many people actually don't know that, but apparently Clint just learned that this week. I've known it for a little while now, but it was. It was a move. It was a, a purposeful move. Calculated move by Dave Checkett's. We got blue and red. We're going to marry them together here. That's what I said the Stallions should have done, but no. And they went with silver and what was it? Was it sky blue? What was the blue they used? Two blues. Two. Oh, they did. They did do. The, they mixed the two the, blues. They, they did mix them. You're right. So we called it the the Utah part of uh, that organization called it ice. <laughs> okay. All right. Super petty, but ice. you know All right. uh, what can you do? All right. Um, two other ones, real quick here before we go. Uh, Clint O'Pete sent this in technical foul, throwing punches without taking your helmet off. And when there was a fight last night uh, in a NASCAR uh, Xfinity Series race between Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that right. Maybe Meyer. Uh, but that last name, Gibbs, probably sounds familiar to some of you because, yes, that is the grandson of Joe Gibbs, the former NFL <laughs> Hall of Fame coach for the now Washington Commanders. Uh, he's also the owner of Gibbs Racing, which is a big NASCAR uh uh, brand right now, but his grandson getting in a fist fight, not taking his helmet off. So uh, gotta love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the final one here, where was it? Okay, uh, actually two. Clinto Pete also. Uh, from now on, I'm calling Michelle Bodkin Michelle Batkin. So I, I'm not 100 percent sure why. I'm did not someone, sure either. Did someone say my name wrong this did I, show? Did I, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> did I pronounce Michelle's name wrong? I don't know. I'm kind of worried about that. And then finally, Osteomath one more time. They were both very prominent today on social media. I don't know how to put this, but I'm Joe Exotic, and I would love a signed jersey. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. That's the reaction from today's show. Michelle, any final thoughts as we go out the door here? You know what? We we need to talk about Dwayne Haskins. Oh, we did. We did not get to that. I apologize. Yes. Um, for those of you who did not hear, Dwayne Haskins was killed this morning in a traffic accident, uh, hit by a dump truck after exiting his vehicle after uh, apparently it ran out of gas on an, on, a, on a highway so in South sad. Florida. Horrendous. Like, so sad. He was I, 24 years old. Almost 25. Mm-hmm. And yeah, leaves behind a wife and family and teammates that clearly loved and adored him and, and all the potential in the world. Yes. Uh, that's the thing. At 24, 25 years old, you're just hitting your stride. 
So yeah. that's just so sad. Former first-round pick of the Washington Commanders, uh, and then he had just recently joined the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. And Dwayne Haskins was really, really good at Ohio State. Like, yeah. Awesome good. And there were people out there who were like, he needs to stay another year in college. He, he capitalized on an opportunity to go make a lot of money as a first-round draft right. pick. I was of the opinion, this is just this was me, I thought going to the Pittsburgh Steelers would actually help rejuvenate his career in many ways. Working for, like playing for Mike Tomlin. Yeah, uh, that that's a conversation I've had with Stevenson Sylvester. Uh-huh. It's just what a player organization the Steelers are from top to bottom, from the owners, the Rooney's, to, yeah, to Mike Tomlin. I I think that was a great landing spot for him, and it's so sad that we don't get to see how that would have played out. Yeah, yeah, right. 24 years old, cut down in the literal prime of life. Just oh, makes me it, – it, it's it's terrifying in a way. And I've seen a lot of people out there like, well, and it's something I, I – every time this happens, do not hesitate to tell people that you care about right. how you how you feel about them. Because trust me, stuff like this just makes brings it into perspective. There's Absolutely. No doubt about that. All right, so anything else? I, I – I feel like I should find something like happier. It's to, okay. Like, bring it, up the mood. I but. meant to get to that, but the Big Twelve kind of dominated the conversation in the last segment, and it, it's it's really sad. But it's just, ugh, it just makes you think. Okay, well, I want to go make a phone call to somebody I haven't talked to in a while. Right, for sure. Because <laughs> you never know what could happen. The, the literal minutes apart. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. A huge thank you to all of you for tuning in. Your social media interaction. Love having you guys interact with us, Michelle. You did it second week in a row. We'll do it again next week. I I guess so. Same time next week. We'll see if it's Jeff or Eric. (laughs) Who knows what we'll be producing for us next week. But regardless, hope you guys all have a great rest of your day. This has been the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. See you.